passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It doesn't make sense, you know. It's like having a basketball team in Seattle. for Detlef Shrimp. Elias <laughs> hit a sensitive button. Got Seattle right in the feelings. That's what poets do. Look. Oklahoma Look. City. Now I get that. Doesn't make sense. When Ryan Swin, it's time to begin. It's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way Take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind a Raw. It's John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. How are you doing, Wei? Doing good. Doing good. You sound so clear. Oh, do I? Yeah. More you sound than like usual? you're right here. Wow. Well, uh, I, I'm sure you can even see uh, what I look like just through the voice. How about that? It's a very visual uh, image in my head that your voice is painting for everybody at home. Wonderful. Well, we have a lot to get into. It's another crazy week here at postwrestling.com. We're going to get into all the shows we have coming up uh, shortly. Did you have a good weekend, Way? It was good, yes. I uh, I went to a wedding. Oh, was it a fun wedding? <laughs> it was awesome. It That's was a great. great wedding, yes. It was uh, It was quite extravagant. It was my first time in a limousine. I'd never been in a limo before. Um, kind of overrated, if I have to be honest. It's just a big well, bus, really. I'm trying to think if I've ever been in a limo. I don't know if I ever have been, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Kind, of a, kind of a weird thing that used to be such a real status thing, being in a limo. And now you only see them on, like, wrestling. A limo looks great from the outside. And uh, on the inside, it's just kind of like a long bus, honestly. So, I mean, it really, I think, is about how people look at you rather than maybe how it is yourself. It's not that comfortable. It's like I'm sitting sideways. Uh, I don't know how safe a limo is either. Anyway, I sound like such a bitch. Oh, you, you, if you get hit by something, like if it T-bones a limo, 
I mean, that, that wouldn't be fun. It's probably never fun to get T-boned by any kind of vehicle. Yeah. A limo, you would think, would be more susceptible to damage, braking. Who knows what could happen? Yeah. On that note, uh, we have... It was a very busy weekend. We had Ring of Honor on Friday night. There was Bellator on Saturday night. And then Sunday night, the New Japan card from Long Beach. Way has not yet uh, had a chance to watch the entire Long Beach show. Uh, but I highly recommend it, Way. I think that you'll enjoy that show. That was the show of the weekend. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think I've worked my way, way up like halfway through the show. So I still have uh, probably the best parts of it left. Wonderful. If you want to go back, myself and Mike Murray. Uh, joined myself. We did our New Japan post show, which is up on the site that you can download now. Always great to chat with Mike. We went through the entire Long Beach show. He also saw the Ring of Honor pay-per-view on Friday night, so we chatted about that for a while, and many other topics that uh, worked its way into the conversation, so you can go check that out. But way, in addition to all of our shows this week, we also have a very big contest. Huge. Maybe the biggest ever. One of the, one of the biggest of all time. Is this our first official contest where we have a, a, a prize giveaway? No. No, it's certainly it's not. not. No. Well, it's going to be a memorable one. That is what I can promise. Uh, the good folks at ECW Press have sent us a number of copies of this new book, WWE Creating the Mania, an inside look at how WrestleMania comes to life, written by John Robinson. And there are some quotes on the back way that... Uh, you can check out next time uh, I see you. I can show you this book. Why don't you read one of those? Let's hear it. I'll read one. How about I read one, okay? I to, I'll, I'll try to guess who, who it is. Okay, you try and guess. Make that noise. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Our whole goal is to get you outside of your regular life. We want to put you in our version of Disney World for a few hours, and we hope you have fun and enjoy yourself. That's got to be John Cena. Very close. Oh, Roman Reigns. The big dog. <laughs> How passive-aggressive does that sound? Does that sound? You're not going to hurt my feelings if, if you boo me. Our whole goal is to get you outside of your regular life because you're miserable and you boo me because your life is very mundane. Mm. We want to put you in our version of Disney World because that's where we live in 365 days a year. We're living the life, and you... And your regular life. <laughs> you boo me for three hours. I'm going to live three lifetimes compared to yours. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen a Disney World employee when they're not wearing the animal heads. I don't know how happy those guys are. I, I wouldn't know any. I know that there were strict rules when you are, when you play those, uh, those characters at like a Disney World or a theme park. Mm-hmm that are copyright characters, that are intellectual property, you have very strict rules. If you are behind that mask, like you cannot speak and give a voice to this uh, character. It's a big responsibility. I completely understand. It kind of sounds like wrestling. You know, wrestlers kind of have some of those same rules. Wrestlers are essentially Disneyland characters. Yeah. So when the fake Razor and Diesel came about, I mean, they were just shattering all this etiquette. Mm, right. Anyway, we are going to be giving away several of these books over the next couple of weeks. The first contest we're going to do is an Instagram contest. Who doesn't love an Instagram contest? Yeah. I'm sure many of you are following us at Post Wrestling Official. That is the first step you have to take in order to be 
able to qualify to win one of these books. But then after that, all you have to do, I know many people that are listening to this now, you are you probably have your routine down, how you listen to this show. And we want you to take a photo of yourself listening to this show. And we can see the many sights, sounds, and environments of which you consume this show. And the best ones will get posted, and you could be walking home with a new book, Creating the Mania. Yes, we would love to know what your natural habitat is, where you listen to our podcasts. Uh, it's a great view, I think, into the other end. Sometimes we're talking to what feels like uh, a black hole, and we don't know who we're talking what's, to. What's on the other side? Give yeah. us a glimpse of where our voice travels to. Should we make any restrictions of where we don't want to hear people listening to our show from? If you listen to our car primarily when you are behind the wheel of a vehicle, or if you're operating any type of heavy, delicate machinery, please do not take a photo when you're doing that. Uh, I feel like there's a huge like legal uh, trouble we're asking uh, for here. But um, Unless you're Otis Dozovich, and then you could be operating heavy machinery. But please be safe when you take a photo, and please be reasonable, and nothing... Uh, Nothing I think, in the shower either. Yeah, no nudity, please. I don't think Instagram allows that. No. So uh, send us uh, your photos at Post Wrestling Official, and we will be drawing for those uh, to win them. I'm also going to be giving away some of these books on Friday's Ask Away for the best questions that we get. So we're going to designate some of these books for our loyal Post Wrestling Cafe members, but we'll also be giving some out on this show over the next couple of weeks. So Many opportunities to win this book. I have not had a chance to uh, go through any of it, but it was, uh, yeah, very nice of ECW Press to uh, keep us in mind. Send us some uh, some copies of this book. When, when are we going to announce the winners? Um, let's get, let's do the Instagram contest next Monday on this show. Let's do a week. Great. And then at that point, maybe we'll announce a new social media platform. We yep. have lots of stuff to plug. Oh, yeah. Let's start off with all the stuff we have to plug uh, going through this week. Uh, so Tuesday, we are going to have uh, Rewind to SmackDown, as usual. I'm also going to have a quick chat with Mark Ramondi from MMAfighting.com. It is UFC 229 Fight Week, so I thought it would be a great chance to have Mark on, who uh, is a, a loyal listener of ours and I think one of the best reporters in MMA. He covered Bellator in San Jose on Saturday night. He covered New Japan in Long Beach on Monday, and now he is en route to Las Vegas for UFC 229. So I'm going to be chatting with Mark about many, many different topics in mixed martial arts and also getting some of his thoughts on the Long Beach show from Sunday night. So that also will be up on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, uh, early Wednesday morning, we will have the double shot, and I am going to be reviewing. It's the return of Lucha Underground, and I'm also going to do a quick recap a first-time-ever recap of MLW Fusion. Very exciting. I will be discussing the uh, second episode of the season of Total Divas, which looks to be riveting. Um, I can't wait for that. As well, Being the Elite has come back. Being the Elite has come back. And for those of you that aren't even fans of Being the Elite, watch the first 60 seconds. Okay. That is my... Uh, the best way they could have brought this series back is with these first 60 seconds addressing the elephant in the room in a very funny manner, I thought. So that is going to be coming up on the double shot. Uh, Wednesday, we also have 
The British wrestling experience. Martin Bushby, Benno, and Ollie Court. The gang is back together. All three of them are going to be back uh, chatting all the latest news, including Benno's trip to uh, Wembley Arena for Progress's Chapter 76 Hello Wembley, Wembley card, which happened on Sunday. A big show. Yes. Uh, did you hear about the, the controversy with Bellator in the UK uh, Saturday night slash Sunday morning? Yeah, the main event got cut off. The main event was cut off because in the UK, there is this watershed law that you cannot air certain programming after 5.30 a.m. And Channel 5, which is a major broadcaster in the UK, they were running Bellator. The show went long because they had added a fight to the main card. So at 6 a.m., they let it go till 6. They cut it off right as the main event was about to begin. And for those people that stayed up all night to watch Gegard Mousasi and Rory McDonald. Instead of Rory, you got Peppa Pig, <laughs> which I thought was just hilarious. I'd so, love to hear Peppa Pig's voice over Rory's yes. face. But I made a personal request to Martin to explain this watershed law that they have in the UK that maybe other people would not be familiar about. So I, I was very, very selfish in asking if Martin can explain this law to myself on his own show. So that's mm. how I roll. So anyway, that is coming out on Wednesday. Uh, we'll also have uh, a new show with WH Park coming out on Wednesday where we are going to go through uh, some of the Long Beach show, uh, the King of Pro Wrestling card, which has not been released as of yet. And we're also going to go through all the Japanese candidates in this year's Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Which ones would WH Park vote for? I'm very curious myself. Thursday, we've got Up Next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman. And then Friday... My favorite show way. It is the return of Ask Away. This might be a particularly large edition of Ask Away because we ha have like pretty much two months worth of questions uh, since we didn't take any of them last month. Yeah, because we had the live show at All In at StarCast. So uh, a big buildup of questions that we will tackle this Friday. That is for Post Wrestling Cafe members. And then Saturday, our week will end on Saturday with two big shows. We're going to have a Review of the Super Showdown with a post-show after that. And we will be doing a live video stream for our Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso executive producers. Uh, that will be happening Saturday afternoon because the show is starting ungodly early. And then late Saturday night, we will have a free post-show uh, recapping the UFC 229 event. Headlined by Habib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor. And let's not forget Eggshells also drops that day too. Of course. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Just a loaded, loaded week of shows at postwrestling.com and three Patreon shows. If you sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com, you will get all of them this week and possibly a chance to win a book. What more could you ask for, Way? This is the, what a deal. What a deal. Yes, absolutely. Well, I guess what more can you ask for? How about a review of tonight's Raw? Uh, we should get into that. Do you, do you want to chat in any news? Oh, yes, of course. That too. Yes. Let's quickly go through because we're we're already a little heavy here, so we we, we want to get to raw. Uh, but a few uh, notes just uh, coming out of today. Uh, first of all, this isn't really news. Did you happen to see? We have it in the update. A near forty minute interview with the Undertaker. I did not watch that yet. No, it's a sit down interview with Ed Young of the Fellowship Church in North Texas, and. What a what a bizarre setting for the Undertaker to do probably his most extensive sit down interview ever. 
Uh, considering he's an undertaker, I'm sure he's used to churches. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And yeah, he's, you know, he has, he has found the Lord and this is not an interview though, really about religion. It's just all about his wrestling career. And the host is just, you know, he is so excited to talk to the undertaker for 40 minutes. Anyway, that's up on the site. You can check that out. King of pro wrestling. They announced, uh, at the end of the show, Oh, is this going to ruin anything for you? No, go ahead. It really doesn't, because the main yeah. event outcome okay. doesn't affect us at all. Uh, it will be Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, and Cody for the IWGP title. Uh, a rare three-way match in New Japan. Uh, do you like this idea for a three-way headlining the show next week at Sumo Hall? Uh, you know, I, I haven't seen the angles yet, so I can't really comment on how they built up to it. Um, so, But as a match itself, I think... Uh, it's interesting having Cody main event that show, uh, or at least be a part of it. You know, I think it's a way to skirt around Omega versus Kota Ibushi without having to uh, actually do that singles match that you could save for a later time. Um, so I don't, I don't mind it at all. I'm sure those guys will have a great match. I'm glad they didn't just rush to Omega and Ibushi so quickly on a week's notice. I think that you really would have been squandering that rematch. So in that sense, I'm glad they're not doing it. I think the three-way will be fine. It's I, I'm not a big fan of, of three-way matches to begin with, but I think for a one-week build-up, I think it's fine. Uh, the card, they've done pretty well with uh, ticket sales already for this show, so it's it's not even one of those shows where people were waiting for to get the whole release of this card. I think they're going to do fine at Sumo Hall. And maybe by the, before the end of the show, maybe we'll have a card like last week. Maybe. Yeah, We literally got the card like minutes after we stopped recording last week. Uh, Daniel Bryan posted a, a lengthy uh, series of tweets responding to all the criticism his wife uh, faced over the last week, which I cannot imagine how much uh, Brie Bella was uh, faced with over the past week. Mm-hmm. My advice to her last week would have probably been to just stay off Twitter for a week. Yep. That would yeah. probably have been uh, a good idea. And Brian just went over all the times he's injured people. And I mean, it's, I I don't know. I I feel this topic is just, I I think everyone is just tired of talking about this topic. I think it's been beaten, beaten down to death discussing this unfortunate injury that just seems to be, you know, micromanaged and just dissected like frame by frame of this injury last week. I certainly agree that I think a, a way bigger deal has been made out of something like that than probably needs to to occur. Um, however, I think I disagree with like you know um, there being any criticism because I think I I, I don't want to come off like that either. Like there were mistakes here that I think there is a healthy amount of criticism and just critique so that this doesn't happen again. Like there were small things that could have been done a lot better in not just uh, on Bree's part, uh, especially on the handling of this, which I think more people were, uh, I think that's where the criticism is, was all the handling of what happened after the accident occurred. Yeah. I mean, online though, it was, it was, I think it was mainly around probably her, but at at the same time, I think it's really kind of hard to like ask uh, wrestling fans to not, uh, not be uh, shitty people <laughs> no, online. No, no, but listen though. Like here's it it sucks to be somebody in her position who is on such a big stage in front of such a uh an audience that I think is already extremely critical of of somebody like her and of women in wrestling in general. 
But at the same time, it's like you're in this as as a as a public form of entertainment. And I feel like if somebody like Daniel Bryan is going to criticize people for all the uh, negative um, reaction to it, then he should criticize people for being positive for all of his matches too. It comes both ways. You know, when somebody does really well, they get applauded. But when somebody is really bad multiple weeks in a row, they, that should be called out too. And there, there was a series, like whether it was just or not, like a number of years ago when you had the rash of injuries with, with Seth Rollins, with, you know, John Cena's broken nose and then the sting injury with the buckle bomb. And, you know, that guy faced a lot of criticism too at that time. So, um, you know, I, 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 I saw it out there that people felt it was a lot more harsh on Brie because she was a woman. And I'm sure there was probably some of that. Yes. But it's not as though um, males have not been, you know, called out too when, when they've injured people and, the, and there's a, a pattern as well. But I do feel Brie got a lot worse than it needed to be. Uh, I When we talked about this last week, I think it was... To me, the the thing that was, to me, the most stunning was the fact that Liv Morgan was able to get back into this match for that triple suplex spot. It's just like, what is, what is going on here? Where, okay, the problem occurred. Now it's, now how do we best deal with an injury that has occurred on our watch and not allow this woman to get further hurt? Um, that was kind of my, my sense of frustration last week. But, you know, I, I would heavily advise a, a lot of wrestlers to, Stick away from social media because it's just going to drive you insane. Uh, I cannot imagine what what comments are like for a lot of these performers week in and week out. Uh, and, I, and I really feel for female performers that I am sure are – it's probably just terribly gross, the comments that they probably deal with on a weekly basis. And it's unfortunate, but it's – I, it's I like would that, say – that's. I would say if you're thin-skinned, okay, if you, I think, rely a lot on, on other people's opinions for your own self-worth, whether they be positive or negative, then you should probably stay away because um, that's what Twitter and social media is for, you know, to as an immediate piece of feedback to see how you've done. Uh, if you're somebody who can read that stuff and not take any of it seriously and know what you have to work on yourself, I, I mean, I, I think to me, that's how I feel. I, I feel about social media. It depends on how you take it, and how you accept it. Uh, so fight week has begun leading up to Saturday's big fight. Uh, Conor McGregor did interviews today on the Mac life, his website, as well as Ariel Helwani show on ESPN. And I don't know how many people have watched either of these interviews, but it seems like Conor McGregor just seems very dialed in for this fight. Seems, you know, to be taking this, very, very seriously, and he seems like he has a number of fights that he has in mind, that he's throwing out ideas of fighting. You know, he mentioned fighting Nate Diaz again. He threw out Anderson Silva's name, George St. Pierre. Um, yeah, he, he seems to, like, have, you know, a, a lot of a lot of lost time that he's trying to make up for. It's been two years since he's had an MMA fight, and I think he's he he seems very, very uninterested at this time in, in doing boxing. I think that he wants to just focus on mixed martial arts and that's great news for the UFC. If that's what he wants to do uh, with his time and sounds like he has a tremendously lucrative deal and he's got enough money that he states that it's, it's not even so much the money. It's just putting fights together that are going to be of interest to him. So I, I think that 
it, it sounds like a, a very, very focused Conor McGregor just from watching these two interviews today. Well, I hope we see the same Conor that I think we've, we've seen before because I think he's going to have to be that against uh, Habib. You know, um, I think the, the big question for a lot of people is how has that Floyd money affected him, him and his motivation? Uh, it sounds like he still has a lot of MMA left in him. So we'll see if he can get by, you know. This is insane, this story. Daniel Cormier was also on Ariel's show. And he said he's having some problems with the UFC now. Things are tense because the UFC wants to strip him of his light heavyweight title in order to have John Jones and Alexander Gustafson fight for this title on December the 29th. Mm -hmm. Hmm. If I was Daniel Cormier, I would just pull a honky-tonk man on these guys and say, this title, you can come get it on my mantle. And not even answer any more phone calls from the UFC. I would be absolutely furious if this was what they were calling me up for. Like, hey, hey, Daniel, we need a title for this uh, for this upcoming pay per view. So wait a second, we're, we're, we're going to strip you of the title. They're taking the physical belt. Like, it doesn't matter if they take the physical belt. Obviously, like they want to strip him as champion. Right, he'll no longer be light heavyweight champion. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, is that not too uncommon? Like, does Cormier plan on staying in the light heavyweight division? He stated he he will he will fight at light heavyweight. But is that physically possible? Is it physically possible? Meaning, can he have two defenses, you know, month after month, uh, rather than you know basically cutting half halfing, you know, the amount of defenses for one division? Well, I think that it, the problem is they've been very inconsistent about how long a champion can go without defending their title, and Daniel Cormier has has hardly hit that. Mm, right. Okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, again, like these titles are just kind of extra, you know, ways to underline and bold those posters, aren't they? And I think they probably view it as, you know, kind of being wasted by having two on one person. Like they want a title fight in the main event of every show. And that's mm. the problem they're having for this Madison Square Garden show next month. They don't have a main event for it because everything's falling apart that they, they wanted. And now, you know, for Cormier, I think ultimately... um you know, the silver lining to this is that if they are planning to do Jones and Gustafson December 29th, that would ensure that he is still the opponent for Brock Lesnar. They're not going to take that Lesnar fight away from him. And mm -hmm. he stated he he is hoping to fight Brock Lesnar in January. And he has it in his mind that he could fight in January and then come back and fight the Jones Gustafson winner in March, or at least have another fight in March, which I, I think is really cutting it close because he wants to retire by the end of March. Wow. Interesting. I mean, you know, either way, I think it sets up for a couple of great paydays for him, doesn't it? If he can get the Lesnar fight and if, if he could get the Lesnar and Jones fights, which are very possible, mm -hmm. those are two enormous fights to go out on. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably part of the UFC's thinking, too, is that if this guy is adamant on retiring, I mean, the UFC light heavyweight title is going to be vacated at some point. Why don't we just take it off of him now? I just, I just hate the fact that Daniel Cormier, who you, were, you had no problem promoting this guy to become a double champion, putting him uh, to, to save a pay-per-view in July, challenging Stipe Miocic. And the downside is, well, now you have a double champion, so he's not going to be able to defend that title. And... We're going to strip it to to have a, a headline attraction for John Jones' return. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway. Whatever's convenient for them at the moment. Last one here. What is your scale uh, from 1 to 10 
of tuning in in 2019 to watch Alberto Del Rio fight for Combate Americas? Um, that might be a YouTube clip I'll seek out the next day. I don't think I'll be watching that one live, unless the rest of the card is amazing. Okay, how about this? On a scale of 1 to 10, what is the likelihood he will actually fight next year? Hmm. I, go, I go 3. Oh, that's a very good question. Yeah, at 41 years old? Mm, yes. Uh, I could see him doing it, you know? I could see him doing it if CM Punk's done it two times. I feel like... The thing is, though, he is kind of... So much of it depends on an opponent, and I'm sure like he'd probably want somebody who he feels who he feels he could do relatively well against uh, in order to agree to it. Uh, who are you more interested, uh, former wrestler? Who are you more interested in seeing fight him or Jack Swagger? I think Del Rio. Yeah, because I mean, uh, I think I have a bit more confidence in Del Rio's abilities to to look pretty good. I think Jack Swagger will, will look decent as well. I would love to see that fight. Honestly, put those two together. How about that? <laughs> maybe maybe Bellator and Combate could come together. Yeah. I'm curious if this, because Combate also got a deal with the Zone, who spent a ridiculous amount of money on Bellator. I'm wondering if Combate got a nice deal out of this, and they have the money to entice someone like Alberto to fight. Yeah, because I'm I'm sure he's not doing this for nothing. Yeah, um, I, I think that they probably I would imagine that the Zone deal has you know helped out Combate financially. You would mm-hmm. think. So anyway, those are the news and notes from the day. You can go on over to postwrestling.com, catch up on all of the day's events, and hopefully we will have a King of Pro Wrestling card within the next 24 hours. But we will now shift on over to Raw and the Key Arena in Seattle, Washington, the former home of the Seattle Supersonics. Oh, boy, did we learn that today. Dean Ambrose came out at the start of the show and was interviewed by Charlie. The audience is booing Charlie's questions about whether there was truth to what the the dogs of war claimed last week. He notes that Seth and Roman, yes, they are champions. He's got nothing. And he became a champion all by himself. And he also noted Seth was able to quickly replace him with Jason Jordan last year. And he thinks about a lot of things, including leaving the shield. And he's teasing whether he wants to leave or not. Charlie says, I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Dean says everyone assumes he's going to snap because he's a lunatic. And maybe he's waiting for the perfect time to stab them in the back. And they replayed the end of Raw last week where he was looking at both sides from the ramp and aligned with the shield. And Ambrose said he's returned and all he's done is clean the mess of his brothers. And everyone needs to stop analyzing him and judge me by my actions. And he stands by his brothers and his family. The shield is not a business. And the shield is not a brand. Dean, have you been to WWEshop.com? What, as are, hold- the, what are the as, hounds of justice? Please. As, he, as he's holding up his shield branded <laughs> dog tags. Yeah, hand. he literally held up these dog tags you can buy. Yeah. It's not a brand. It's a yeah. brotherhood. I, I do like the story. I like them teasing a bit of tension with uh, Dean Ambrose um, leaving the shield. Uh, however, I'm I'm just like I think I think Ambrose talking of this in this segment reminded me of his run as champion on SmackDown and how much I disliked his rambling promo style back then. It it feels like he's trying kind of hard to seem like he has some type of mental disorder, and I'm sure he talks like that in real life, you know. But I he think does. yeah, but I, I I then you know I think if he just came out like this and talked, it would be fine. But them trying to slap like that lunatic or Ambrose Asylum label onto it, 
makes it all just seem like a bad caricature of a, uh, I don't know, a mental asylum patient, I guess. Baron Corbin came out, and for the second straight week, they must have loved this insult. Dean calls him a, the world's largest substitute teacher. I mean, it gets a reaction from, from somebody, so... I cringe. That is a reaction. Yeah. Baron thought that last week was a win because the cops didn't get involved. And he's going to give Ambrose three options tonight. He can face Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental title. He can face Roman Reigns for the Universal title. Or he can face Braun Strowman. I kind of like this. Yeah. Yeah. Like just a- this, this opportunity to, yeah, force Dean to make this decision. Ambrose suggests option four, that he face Corbin. So Corbin says, okay, I'll just make the match with Strowman. It's like, well, you just eliminated your the drama of your own multiple choice that you just threw out for this guy to be forced to pick here. Like mm-hmm. You took out all the, the intrigue that this little test came with. Right. Well, he didn't want to give out a, a title match on TV, I suppose. Yeah, I guess not. We'll... we'll- We'll talk about that in a minute here. But but so, I'm with you. I like the ultimatum. I think it was a, a good way to kind of put that pressure onto Dean to further this story. Yeah, it's like here. Here's an automatic title match mm-hmm. if you want it. So Dean took on Braun Strowman. It went very long. There was this beat down on, on Ambrose. Eventually, Ambrose blocked a power slam. Dirty Deeds got avoided. They went through a commercial break. Ambrose is on the floor. Braun uh, drove him into uh, with a shoulder block. And sent him back into the ring, hit the power slam, he's lifting him up, and then Roman runs down to his music, runs into the ring, and hits Braun with a Superman punch for the DQ. Strowman's then trying for the power slam, it's blocked, so Rollins comes out, springboard knee, play seemed hotter when Rollins came out, and then they sent Braun to the floor. Ziggler and Drew came out, and Corbin comes out stating they won't let Dean fight his own battles, and he announces Rollins versus McIntyre, and Reigns versus Ziggler for tonight, and... The Reigns match is coming up next. And the idea here is that Dean was saved by Roman and Seth, and then he ends up losing the match because of their run-in. Mm-hmm. I thought the match itself was like a, an okay David versus Goliath math match. Um, you know, it started off kind of slow, but I think it, it picked up uh, at a level, but not really at the level that really was all that memorable. Um, my problem, I think, with it, though, was that, like, bronze beatdown of Dean I didn't think was vicious enough to warrant that run-in and obviously from you know Dean's standpoint that's that's his story but I think just to kind of really hammer home maybe Roman's motivation some use of weapons or some you know bigger predicament um, that you know you could put Dean into would have increased Roman's justification for what what you know he essentially threw in the towel here for his friend and I just didn't think a second power slam was enough for that After the break, Ambrose and his shoulder were being iced in the trainer's room. Rollins is checking on him, and Dean is pissed. Throws the ice pack, and he tells Rollins, I could be IC champion right now. And he leaves. Roman Reigns and Dolph Ziggler, they hold up the title, and the announcers are stunned that this is a title match. So Baron runs out, and he clarifies, this is a non-title match, and so is Seth Rollins' match tonight. Reigns doesn't get to defend his title again until Saudi Arabia on November the 2nd. Yeah, Roman uh, wanted this to be a title match. So he was talking to the ref and tried to get the ref to make this a title match. And Corbin 
called uh, just nixed it basically. Um, I feel Dol- bad. Dolph Dolph was totally cool with Baron's ruling. Yeah, I feel. I mean, how is Ziggler supposed to react to this? You know, you totally screwed him over. Uh, but I think this felt so backwards to me. It's it was like, all I underst- it was I understand all done- Roman is the the fighting champion, but it's like okay, you get to hold on to your title for for another month, and Seth, you don't have to defend your title either. It's like well, cool, great. It's very backwards. Yeah, I know. Um, he wants to defend the belt, but the company man says he can't. Even though the company man ultimately wants the belt off of him, I would think. Yeah, that's kind of the story here is that Stephanie wants this title off of Roman. They're going to keep it on him for a, a minimum of a month. And Seth, too, is out of having to defend his title. Like, I don't know. It just seems very strange. And Ziggler and Drew McIntyre were just totally cool with these rulings. Mm-hmm. Ziggler hit a jumping DDT on the floor and then a famouser in the ring got a two count. Uh, long sleeper spot until Reigns fought out of that. He hit his 10 clotheslines in the corner, each one accompanied with a camera cut. And then he set up the Superman punch. Ziggler stepped away, raked his eyes, hit the zigzag for a big near fall. Ziggler called for the super kick, gets caught with a Superman punch for another near fall. They really got the audience into this. And then there was a spear into a sunset flip by Ziggler to avoid it, kick out, and then Reigns hits the spear to win. I thought they did a good job. Crowd really got into this with the near falls. Certainly, yeah. Crowd certainly re- reacted well to this. I thought it was a, you know, standard Raw match. I think fine, but nothing really worth going out of your way to see. Our theme song for Super Showdown is Monster by Hands Like Houses. Okay. Do you ever look at your hands and say, man, I've got houses for hands? Never said that. <laughs> Never. The Bella Twins come out uh, to introduce Ronda Rousey, who's coming out. And before her match with Ruby Riot, we got a Riot Squad promo. They find beauty in unconventional places, like uh, a broken mirror, the screams of their opponents, and watching Ronda crumble after her loss tonight. Yeah. So I guess they're, I mean, I've learned that I think the gimmick is just that they're a bunch of emo kids. That's, uh, I, I guess, um, Ruby for sure. These other two, they don't really fit the conventional emo stereotype, but they kind of follow along and they're like Ruby's minions. We've got a Viking, an emo leader, and Liv Morgan, who seems to be okay. I mean, no wrestling on this show, but... Um, well, yeah, you could, you could, she was, she's living and breathing, but, uh, yeah, wasn't wrestling. Yeah. I mean, she was, she wrote some things on Twitter that she was alluding to the fact that she's been cleared, but she didn't flat out state that she had been cleared. Uh, yeah. She'll probably be in the match on Sunday. Uh, They promoted the match. So I'm assuming she's wrestling on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So Ronda Rousey took on Ruby Riot. Ronda starts throwing her at the beginning and then Ruby drives her arm into the post and this began uh, Ruby's heat sequence on Ronda, where Ronda had to do a lot of selling here. And I cannot remember the last time that we had someone fish hook another. Hmm. Yeah. Ruby put her finger like right in her mouth and just pulled away. Ruby is in control. She's kicking away at her head, being all arrogant. And then finally Ronda catches, throws her. She had this like cut off shirt that she just, 
got rid of that seemed to be bothering her throughout the match. She tore it off like at the Hulk Hogan comeback moment, which was perfect. I don't know if that was intended or not, but it was great improv if it was. Yeah, she seemed to be just playing around with this thing on the mat that I don't know if it was just anyway. But great timing for her to do it at the perfect moment. Ronda hit this gut wrench suplex, almost losing her balance, then nailed Logan on the floor. Ruby got a roll up for a two off of that. (laughs) And then we got Ronda's uh, unnamed move before hitting the uh, applying the arm breaker. Got the tap. Mm -hmm. I thought Ruby did a good job here. I thought this was a good match. Yeah, I think Ronda's selling is already starting to look a bit more believable. I think her comebacks are still excellent. I think she's overall just progressing really well. And I thought Ruby here, you know, I think it's a pretty high-pressure situation to be put in the ring on live TV with Ronda Rousey. And I thought Ruby looked confident, and she carried Ronda well here. You know, um, I think Ronda certainly needs the reps. But I would say an unfortunate side effect of, of, you know, putting her on TV like this is that her appearances kind of get more and more normalized, you know. This felt like the most, you know, uneventful Ronda Rousey match to date. I would have liked for this to receive maybe a bit more build. I think you could, you know, have built this to a main event on TV. I think any Ronda's Ronda singles match should be a big, big deal. There's, I think we get into the idea that you can't make someone that wrestles every week special. And I think if if you don't try, yeah, it's not going to feel special. But there was a point when Bill Goldberg would come out every week and they made that feel incredibly important, regardless of the opponent. It was, you're getting to see Bill Goldberg. And I would I would put the same kind of emphasis, like Ronda Rousey wrestling, no matter how often it happens, it's a big deal because it's Ronda Rousey. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just, like, this was, you know, she was presented like any other female, just having a match on the show in the first hour. Yeah. I understand why they couldn't do the main event because it was, you know, they wanted to save it for the Sean segment. Mm, but I still feel like this could have received a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I did think that, that Ruby did a very good job in this match. So that was uh, that was notable. Michael Cole plugged the start time for the Super Showdown. And when he said 5 a.m., Renee just shook her head like you would be insane to watch this show at 5 a.m., which they mentioned you don't have to. You can watch it on demand. Bobby Roode made his entrance with Chad Gable, and they had an insert promo where Bobby Roode said, Connor is the size of a grizzly bear, and he has a mean streak to match it. Yeah. Menacing. And beating a man of his stature would be, and Gable piped in, glorious. Then we got a Connor promo. He said that Roode has experience on his side, but his mentor, the mentor is going to fall just like the student. And Bobby Roode, welcome to the wasteland. This might have been the first uh, insert promo where they cut away from him. And then they went back to the promo when Victor appeared at the side for the wasteland line. Well, they couldn't wait to get out of this, I think. Because both promos, I thought, were awfully generic and just uh, made me not really care about this feud even more. I was waiting for Punishment Martinez to just come out as Connor, and we never referenced the the former person behind this character again. What? I don't know about that. Oh, you mean, oh, like just replacing him in general? Yeah, replacing him with Punishment uh, Martinez. I don't know if that gimmick would really help Punishment Martinez that much. You know, the matches might be better, but, oh, man, I think the gimmick just is really dull. Like, I really did like the Ascension when they are part of the 
the fat <laughs> excuse me the fashion police doing kind of like the tongue-in-cheek mo- uh uh demon thing and i really feel like this gimmick like is what that the ascension should be they should be comedic figures because it's impossible to feel actually threatened by those two there was an avalanche by connor he's stomping him the announcers acknowledge the potential that connor has rude mounted a comeback hit some leg kicks blockbuster and then as he set up for the ddt victor attacked gable and this stunned rude he was just fixated on poor chad gable so connor capitalized and hit his gut wrench slam for the win the connor's cure connor's cure at four minutes and 16 seconds as way has christened this name of his move so connor wins two two wins wins in in a row. row yeah you know they're giving both of these teams a lot of ring time they're getting giving this feud a lot of ring time but i don't think really any of it matters because none of the characters are over uh they just haven't been given enough development gable and rude are just you know i guess we're just supposed to get be familiar with the two of them being friends before one of them turns on the other i get it but at least make an effort to make them entertaining i think and whatever they're doing is just either two-dimensional one-dimensional or or just generic in the case of the ascension this will probably be a match on raw like, That's probably all this is going to be. You mean Ascension and uh, Gable and Rude? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Then we had a moment of bliss with Alexa. And she mentions heroes such as Wonder Woman, Nelson Mandela, and herself. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a gallery of heroes together. Wonder Woman, Nelson Mandela, and herself. Yeah, two of them fictitious. Her hero growing up was Trish Stratus, but she can't believe what happened when she met her when she was seven years old. She was, first of all, I thought by saying when she was seven years old, that man, did that really age Trish in this promo? It's true though, isn't it? Isn't that? She's well, young. Bl- How old is Alexa Bliss? Why don't you look that up? Yeah, I mean, it, the math probably works out yeah. completely. I mean, Alexa's not that old, but it, it was also kind of the, the tone of the promo too. She she's, says she was she's 27, 27. So 20 years, tw- ago. 20 years ago. That was before Trish was in the okay. company. Yeah. But so, but not yeah. by a couple of years, not that much by two close enough. Yeah. She says she was in the cold outside of an arena with her autograph book and she saw her, her hero and she gazed up at her wrinkly eyes. <laughs> she asked for an autograph and Trish burped in her face and demanded 50 bucks tore up her autograph book and stepped on her foot that would have been just the one step too many like you you, you've totally destroyed this image of you in my head you've destroyed my autograph book then you stepped on my fucking foot yeah that's just and she says when it comes to meeting your heroes stratisfaction is not guaranteed so the complete opposite of your Owen Hart interaction, basically. Yeah, this was the 180. Yeah, yeah. this was uh, don't pull up a seat and come ask questions. This was, uh, yeah, burp in her face. I thought the, the very good delivery from Alexa Bliss. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like these a lot. Uh, and I know she's doing this because she probably still can't uh, quite come back to wrestle just yet. Um, but I think she should continue to do these even when she's not injured. Because I think she, you know, it's, it's good to t- just, for me... To see somebody get outside of like that typical in-ring setting. Um, and these are typically effective. But I feel like this one wasn't her strongest. Um, I feel like, you know, 
all good lies need to have a bit of truth attached to them. But I thought she went almost a little bit too over the top here with some of the lines. Maybe Trish is going to win after burping in Alexa's face at Evolution. Oh, and stomping on her foot. Yeah. Oh, they should do a, a stomp the foot spot in the match. We had our mixed match challenge promos. Rusev and Lana were by the pool. Uh, did you notice Lana picked up her accent in this promo and lost it by the end of it? She did? Yes. Was it just for the words crush or Rusev? Uh, it seemed like the first like 10 seconds of this, she was doing the accent. Oh, okay. And then she started to sing at the end and didn't really have the accent for the, the singing portion. And Rusev just sat there. I don't think he even knew a promo was being filmed. <laughs> Naomi and Jimmy Uso called themselves the strongest married couple in the WWE. And you will be locked up in the day one glow penitentiary, which is mixing up uh, to me a lot of Netflix originals. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, Orange is the new black glow. What else? That, that was it. There were two. Oh, okay. Yeah. The B team took on the revival. I was shocked away. They said it was Curtis Axel's birthday. So I decided to look up how old he is. Do you want to guess how old Curtis Axel is? 27. 39. Oh, okay. I was shocked. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I could buy that. You just guessed 27. You were just as surprised as uh, I am. I just guessed 27 because uh, of Alexa Bliss. I, I really had had no guess. Uh, but 39, yeah, I guess. he. Do you think he looks younger than that? He. I think of him as much younger. I think of him as like early 30s. Uh, I could see that too, yeah. Um, Man's almost 40. Like he's at the, you know, tail end of his career. Yeah. Never yeah, really got sure. going. That is true. Uh, not a whole lot to this. This was not a great follow-up for the Revival after last week's performance. If anyone thought that was going to be the start of something, it's not. They had Axel by the arm. Dawson can't prevent the tag to Dallas. Dallas comes in, uh, takes a spine buster, and then the Revival did the rocket launcher with Wilder landing on Bo's knees, and Dallas cradled him for the win in 337. Um, yeah, it seems like it, right after the authors ran in, destroyed the B-team, hit the Super Collider, so it looks like they're doing the B team and AOP and the poor revival are probably going to be on main event. Really unfortunate. Cause I think coming off of that match last week, um, hope they had, you know, they had some decent buzz after last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked to have seen revival get something. I certainly wouldn't have pegged them as, you know, heaters for the B team on the follow-up show. And I think going with a B team versus AOP feud, I understand you're, you're kind of in that building phase with the AOP, but man, uh, I thought we were done with the B team, man. I'm just, I'm just not a fan. Like of all the teams too, like, I don't know. I, I've, yeah, it's, it's just, it's somewhat demoralizing if you are a team like the revival, like, could you have had a better performance last week? And it means nothing. So I think you, that, yeah, they don't care about match quality all that much. Well, that's the th It's like you, you're put in these positions and given this notion of reach for the brass ring and, when you go out and you have a great performance, it's if they don't have a plan for you, then it doesn't matter what you do. And I think that's the kind of thing that it really just really kills your morale. If you are performers that you go out, you, you think you hit a home run and it doesn't matter. No one was watching. So the run didn't count. 
It's great for your uh, stock in the independent world, though, should you ever decide to leave, I think. Are you suggesting they could have a independent revival? <laughs> Ambrose is in the back. He's still in pain. This was a really grueling match. Reigns walks up and says, last week was funny, but now I'm not so sure if you're being serious. He asks if he's all right. He's doing fine. He says he had Strowman out there, but Reigns was worried about him getting hurt. and said, we need you for the six man on Saturday. I like that line by Reigns. It's, it's as though they're presenting Reigns and Rollins as upstanding teammates. But if you want to be a conspiracy theorist, which Dean Ambrose is teasing, there's these little lines that that he can really latch onto. Like they only care about my well-being, so that they're fine for Saturday's match. So whether yeah. by design or not, I like that little line in there. Well, I really like the explanation because I think when the initially the 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 angle happened, I didn't think it really made any sense for Roman to come out there. I think having him protect Ambrose for uh, what is it uh, Saturday makes a lot of sense. I guess I just wish the beatdown was a bit more severe to really kind of drive that home because. How much are you really protecting guy when it's just a second power slam he's being threatened with? And then Dean said, if I wasn't such a nice guy, I might be universal champion now. And I was waiting for Reigns to just burst out laughing. Corbin is with AOP and Maverick. He congratulates them on destroying the B team. He really enjoys it. And he shook their hands. I was disappointed that they didn't give uh, Drake Maverick a bit of mic time here. It just feels like uh, lately his role on the show has just been to just as a visual, I think, scale for the AOP. And he's very effective in that sense. But I think he's even more effective when he gets to talk. Uh, And thank goodness he's dropped the the camo and tank top look and traded that in for a leather suit and uh, black pants. I think he looks far better. Like essentially Paul Paul Ellering's outfit. Yeah, it's... I don't know. To me, I just feel like they they have an idea for the AOP. Like, they're getting behind them. And I don't know if Drake Maverick's made any difference, to be honest. Like, he's done nothing. Like, he's there. Yes, he's small. But I, I don't think he's added anything. I feel uh, it's more just, ah, we're going to push AOP now. And they've got the... He, he hasn't said anything. He just no. stands there. Yeah. Yeah, I think he just completes the look. But I, I don't think that's really using him to his potential at all. I just hate the dual role. I think I'm more annoyed because of that. It's 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 not as though this is a... It doesn't even seem like they have an idea f- for his role as a manager. And it's just confusing. If God forbid you follow 205 Live as well. Charlie promoted uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And then our Dogs of War were backstage. Ziggler is convinced that Ambrose is turning on the shield tonight. Braun thinks Dean is a tough bastard. And he would fit in with them. And he's a winner when he's not facing me. And he needs Drew to win tonight against Rollins. And he needs no weak links as he looks at Ziggler. Mm -hmm. So everyone's fighting. Everyone hates everybody. Mm -hmm. These teams suck. Or they're just harsh on each other. These guys have been together, what, five minutes? And we're already turning on one another. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I I do feel like they set up... I think all that tension and drama really well going into this next segment. Um, and almost a little disappointing when I think it was so quickly extinguished. Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre was the match. Rollins early on hitting a suicide dive. McIntyre landed this big kick to the ribs as Rollins popped out of the corner. They fought onto the apron. There was a backbreaker that set up the commercial break to Rollins. 
Uh, Rollins came back. He hit a springboard knee. Corbin's watching in the back. Drew went for that inverted Alabama slam that Rollins countered into the victory roll. That looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Falcon Arrow for a two count. And then Rollins with a sunset flip off the turnbuckle brought Drew across the ring and hit a buckle bomb, super kick. And then Ziggler ran down. He uh, Rollins misses the stomp, but because of the distraction, it allows Drew to hit the Claymore kick and he wins the match. They are very, very high on Drew McIntyre, who wins yet again. As they should be, because I think he's excellent and completely championship material. I thought this was a good match, match of the show. Um, I, 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 you know, again, I, I think I was a little disappointed that um, that they would do this post match so quickly and just try to, you know, settle all that tension. So it's a big two on one attack by Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. Reigns runs down, then Braun runs down, and Drew is attacking Reigns from behind. Dean is the final one out, but he's not alone. He's brought his axe handle, and he fights off the heels. He's shoulder tackled by Braun on the floor, and then Rollins is trying to fight them off. He gets hit with a Ziggler super kick, and then the Claymore zigzag combination with Reigns laid out with a Braun Strowman power slam. So McIntyre, Ziggler, and Braun Strowman stand tall going into Saturday's six-man tag, and the axe handle did not come in handy. Yeah, I guess they didn't really, you know, they could always just use that match to further the tension and maybe not, uh, you know, uh, completely be done with this Dean Dean Ambrose storyline. In fact, I probably expect that to occur next week. They ran a trailer for 2K19, which comes out next week. This was so good, this video. I mean, um, it was not like your kind of uh, uh, Seth Rollins burn it down things or... It wasn't focused on one person, but it was almost just a collage of like awesome, incredible visuals uh, set around a number of wrestlers. Like you had Ronda appear on Piper on the Piper's Pit set. You had Jeff Hardy with this awesome image of like his face paint, but like kind of exploding into like a giant painting um, that looked so great. Um, Naomi's Ric Flair morph into Charlotte. Naomi's like. Uh, dancing in that black light with black that black light paint, Ray uh, splitting into a bunch of people. You had AJ like with a projected image of his old self on his body, just like incredibly creative, almost like in some cases surrealist visuals. You know, involving these very colorful wrestlers. It was just basically like a really cool music video. I wish, wish WWE could license the rights to some of this footage. For these wrestlers, Titan Trons, because no Titan Tron is this good. So 2K just continues to kill it with these commercials every year. They, they like this to me is like really at the top of like pro wrestling production. Yeah, it was a super spot for the video game. Then Elias and Kevin Owens are in the ring, and Elias starts playing the guitar. He calls Kevin Owens a good friend of his, plugs their match at the Super Showdown against John Cena and Bobby Lashley, and Owens calls them. A bunch of great guys. And he said that Lashley and Cena teaming, it doesn't make any sense. Kind of like a basketball team here in Seattle. And this crowd, they are not happy with this. Then they got furious as they let these words sink in. And then it hit their core. And they were fuming. And this was, this turned into one of the more memorable segments of the year. This was a 10-year-old wound that Elias just ripped wide open. 
oh. and and had no idea what he was dancing around. I and mean, this, this I I had no idea this would get this kind of response from this crowd in Seattle. And wow, yeah, he ripped that wound open, and it was just gushing, and it wouldn't stop. This was like the most nuclear line of of Elias's career. Um, I've never seen a sports team line get this much heat. And he wasn't done. He mentioned that, you know, I can see Oklahoma City making sense. And they were just so furious. They are drowning out Kevin Owens, who is trying to yell so Elias can hear him. They are battling to get through this promo, and the audience would not let them. It was, what would you say, seven minutes of sustained anger from this crowd? Yeah, yeah. For sure. It just would not end. And, man, I know Owens is really, really fast on his feet, but I'm imagining he's not much of a supersonics aficionado because... He said he's not a sports guy. He's not a sports guy that I would say if you were, man, you could have had some real fun with this crowd by just just going with this because they have given you something to just go down this whole new path for this promo of just inciting this crowd. Uh, yeah. And they just kind of went with their promo and tried to get through it, talking about Cena and Lashley and the audience. They did not care what words were coming out of their mouth. They just took this segment over, and I thought it was awesome. I thought this was just fantastic stuff to watch, this level of heat. There are moments sometimes where I wish, you know, this wrestling stuff wasn't taking place in a scripted or a TV time format. And I think this was one of those because I wanted to just see these guys play with this amazing energy a lot more than, you know, having to uh, follow a script and make sure that, you know, you don't go over Shawn Michaels time in the last segment and things like that. Uh, But man, they did at least get some time to play with it. And it was just incredible at one point they put the house lights on dimly to react to the audience i'm sure they were loving it i'm sure vince was loving it in the back as well this is probably a moment that you'll see on some dvd collection in the future so finally leo rush comes out and he starts cutting a promo and there's a let's go sonics and they did not care what leo rush had to say he got a cheap pop mentioning seattle and you know, Leo Rush, like, it, it didn't matter who was coming out. They just did not care. And this led to Kevin Owens and Bobby Lashley. And then the the show returned to normal at this point. There was a side headlock by Owens. He's yelling, this is why it's my show. And then hit a shoulder block. Owens just rolled to the floor. Uh, Owens was in control after the commercial break. Lashley came back with a spine buster. And then Elias chased after Leo Rush, finally got a hold of him with this full Nelson on the floor. And in this... We got another distraction finish with Owens rolling up Lashley to pin him because he was concerned with Leo Rush and his well-being. So Owens wins, and then Lashley attacks Owens. Elias stomped him, and Rush climbs to the top, leaps off, and he just gets floored with this forearm by Elias, and Rush just goes down like he's dead and rolled to the floor, and it ended with a pop-up powerbomb by Owens to Bobby Lashley, and they hugged. I have no idea why they did all that stuff in previous weeks with Leo Rush evading Kevin Owens week after week, only to just have Elias just knock him down like that, like he was a, a like a fly, you know, like nothing. I'm not exactly sure what the point was of Leo Rush getting all that. 
over uh, old Kevin Owens in previous weeks. I thought the match was kind of weak. You know, it felt incredibly anticlimactic, I think, after the great segment that preceded it. Uh, I was most curious to watch the match to see if the crowd would kind of throw in any other Supersonics references into their crowd chants, but they might have just killed that in the commercial break or something. Um, from what I gather, it just doesn't feel like Lashley's over at all. I think this pairing with Leo Rush has glimpses of brilliance. I think Leo Rush is a great, probably entertaining manager, but as a babyface, it just doesn't make sense. I don't think it, it's, it's kind of confusing what his association with Lashley is, nor I think how we're supposed to feel about the both of them. So in the end, those two completely felt like afterthoughts. I agree. I think that the Lashley Leo Rush stuff as baby faces, it's it's just very dry. Um, you know, I've got to say too, with Kevin Owens is also one that just feels that as though like he's kind of benefiting now from being paired with Elias, and it just seems like there is not really much of a vision for Kevin Owens beyond a mid card role, and it just doesn't seem like he. I just see him as a lot higher of a of a talent, and he just doesn't seem to be finding his way at the moment. Well, I'm guessing like he's being paired with Elias just up until this tag match because he's going to break off with Lashley. That's my assumption. Um, and we'll see. I think what where he goes after this Lashley feud. Um, Great. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this has plenty of legs to it beyond this. Mm-hmm. More mixed match challenge promos. Bailey and Balor. Had a promo on Team Mahalisha, which was the word that came out of Balor's mouth. We're going to win, and you're going to lose, and it's going to be too sweet. Yeah. And we cut. <laughs> that was it. Brilliant. In that, in that delivery. <laughs> Alicia oh. Fox was yelling Shanti and said that she is going to give them the a good side of hello. And Jinder called her crazy. A good side of hello. A good side of hello. What does that mean? That's what the announcers asked. Oh. Okay. Wait, you cannot pay me to watch this show. These promos just... I'm the, sure it's a fun show when you matches, tune in and watch it. The matches it. are great. Yeah, these promos are not great advertisements for it. And then, I guess, being concerned about some of the, the viewership of the first two weeks... Michael Cole gave us an instructional on how to watch the Mixed Match Challenge. It's only season two. You might not have figured it out yet. Jinder comes out, and Michael Cole referred to Sunil as Ranjan Singh. Oh, no. Really? He called him Ranjan Singh, who was uh, Great Khali's former manager and his writer, uh, Dave Kapoor. Mm -hmm. So everyone had a laugh over this mistake. Alicia got a promo. She gets upset. She takes a deep breath and she wants to reclaim her title as the captain of Team Mahalisha. Mm-hmm. Cool. Her, Kyrie Sane, and Juice Robinson. They're the, the pirate collective. Uh, did you hear about the, the NXT representation at New Japan on Sunday? Yes, I did. I actually saw it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Moro was there. I believe Frank and Kyrie Sane and uh, Io Shirai. Yeah, they were all spotted on camera at one point or another on the show. Interesting. I mean, I you know, I I wonder if they had to. The fact that there were three WWE employees in attendance suggests to me that they must have. Like, I can see Moro just going because mm-hmm. he wants to go, but I don't. I feel like 
somebody like Kyrie Sane would be maybe a bit more, um, uh, you know, uh, careful about it. So I would have to assume that WWE okayed. Well, you know, if you're an independent contractor, you would have to clear what you can do on your day off. <laughs> it's it's really strange that in professional wrestling, that is even a thought. Yeah, you remember Rory McAllister? I know, that's uh, everyone brought up. I also just look at the fact that on Saturday night, I was watching Bellator and Daniel Cormier is introduced to the entire crowd. And it's not even like not even a topic of discussion that anyone would see it as strange at all that. <laughs> Guy's just going to, to watch a night of fights. He's got teammates on the show. He's from the area. He went to watch fights. Mm-hmm. And these people on their day off went to watch a wrestling show. But in pro wrestling, it's this weird world. Well, things must be changing. You know, the fact that this was okay. Bailey and Alicia Fox was our final match of the show. Um, you know, the, the crowd did get into Bailey in this. Um, Northern Lights by Fox, which always looks good. That's bought from her. There was a neck breaker off the middle rope. Sit out drop kick delivered to Fox. Jinder tries to trip Bailey, but then Balor takes him out with a sling blade, and Bailey wins with the Bailey to belly. I thought this, you know, it was like three minutes, and the audience did get into, especially the end with Bailey. So I think Alicia, you know, though she though she works really hard, I mean, she still can't really help but be a little bit awkward and unco- uncoordinated. Um, but that said, you know, she does manage to get by and has gotten by for many many years now. So credit to her. Um, I feel like this match probably came a little too late in the show for anybody to really care. I think, you know, mixed match challenge segments like this probably work better as your first or second match on the show. And then our final segment, Shawn Michaels comes out and he mentions all the emotions he's felt along with all the fans since Triple H and The Undertaker were announced leading into Super Showdown. What emotions have you gone through? Um... Have you gone through sadness, excitement, int- uh, well, anger, uh, happiness? No, no. I mean, there was some. I mean, there's been some intrigue or maybe confusion, if that's an emotion. At times, he says that right after the match was announced, he booked a flight to Melbourne because it would be a historic event, and he was going to go as a fan. Like, dude, you. Definitely get to Australia without buying a, a flight. I'm sure you you could get on this show in some capacity. Yeah. He says it then got personal with The Undertaker because he was forced to make a choice of who he thought would win. And he said, I don't care what day of the week it is. I will always back up my best friend and pick him. And Taker has his brother in his corner. Well, Hunter has his brother and he threatens Kane with the sweet chin music. If he gets involved on Saturday and the lights go out and Kane's music hits Knox County, your mayor is not in the state tonight. He comes out, he appears behind Sean and he nails Sean with a shot. Then the undertaker's music plays. The lights go out when they come on, he's in the ring. He goes for a tombstone. When triple H comes out, he runs down. They start fighting. And in this, Michaels loses his hat, and we got to see bald Sean. For the first time, yeah. And he was wearing like a weird, like, half bandana. See, there had been shots of him without, with the short hair. Yeah. He looks like he's just 
gotten rid of all of it. He looks like he's skin bald now. I think he probably looks better this way. Like, you don't often when people uh, cut their hair from, like, long hair, they'll try to, like, keep a little bit of it so that, um, like, you saw it with Hunter, where for, like, a good month or two, he had, like, this little fro. It looked (laughs) terrible. And, like, you know, eventually he learned, I'd probably look better if I just shaved the whole thing off anyway. And I think that's probably what Sean's gone through here. So they're fighting. And it ends with a double choke slam delivered to Hunter and Sean and an Undertaker tombstones Hunter and they leave. In 2018, the Undertaker and Kane leave a motionless Sean Michaels and Triple H in the ring. Yeah. I I certainly don't mind, you know, relying on nostalgia to to uh, you know, sell out a, a big pay per view once a year. You know, I don't think you should really make this a, 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 a more of a regular thing. But I think once a year, having this big nostalgia shot uh, was totally fine. And that's what this was. It was uh, Shawn Michaels, Kane, The Undertaker, and Triple H closing a segment on Raw uh, to, you know, because this pay-per-view really has been built around that match. This is so the I, main event. Yeah, so I think it makes total sense to do this. It really got the crowd. And that's what's selling this show is, is just the, that nostalgia. Do you think this goes on last on Saturday? Um, what are the other options? Because you know, the Joe sh- and Styles. No, that's not going last. Are you kidding me? Um, so it's uh, probably this uh, the the six man with the the shield. It's not that. It's this for sure. That grand entrance. Uh, this will be last. Uh, the question is, do you think the Undertaker could pull off a main eventing performance in this tag? I think the crowd is going to be so hot for this tag. They're gonna have to do so little, and they'll get maximum reaction. Wait, this is uh, a this is a tag team match? Oh, sorry. Yeah, this isn't the tag match. This is a singles match. Yeah, sorry. Uh, um, yeah, I think I think that this is gonna be a very forgiving crowd. If there are any shortcomings, I think they're just. I think this is gonna be like in your house international incident way, where they are gonna be so hot for the stars mm-hmm. that they're yeah. seeing. I also that- think. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I just think I think the crowd is really going to make this match, and I, I wouldn't have this one go super long either. Like That's it. Yeah, thirteen, I, fourteen minutes. I don't even know if it's going to be that long because I think they. I learned... think if it goes on last, I think it has to go at least that. Well, uh, okay, yeah, because I think I feel like they learned from you know two years ago with the Roman Reigns match where you know you saw in the John Cena match this year that was just all built around that entrance, and then the match itself was very, very, uh, like. You know, big move, big move, big move, tombstone, done. You're out of there. Uh, I feel like you'll probably see a lot of bells and whistles, obviously, with Sean and, and Kane around. Um, so I guess probably, could... probably some angle to to go off the show with. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going with this tag match in Saudi Arabia, you should do something big at the end of this. And I, I think I'm kind of excited to see all those bells and whistles. I mean, I was, I think, a big fan of that Sting Triple H match from that WrestleMania that was all built around, you know, smoke and mirrors. And I enjoyed it. I don't. I don't care if like you know these guys aren't aren't in the same shape as they used to be. I just want it to be entertained, and I think you can expect some really creative stuff to take place in that main event. Okay, I want to do a quick game, my favorite game, the age game, but with a little okay. twist. Okay, let's of these do it. four, I want you to rank oldest to youngest. What Ooh. you what you estimate currently oh. their current ages? Who is the oldest? Uh, rank them one to four. One being the oldest, four being the youngest. This is fun. I like this game. Okay. Youngest. Uh, I'm going to say 
the mayor of Knox County. Okay. And then I'm going to say Triple H. Then I'm going to say The Undertaker. And then I'll say Shawn Michaels. All right. You're a bit off. Our youngest at 49 years old is Triple H. Number three is 51-year-old Mayor Kane. And then Shawn and Undertaker are both 53. Undertaker is older because he was born in March. Shawn was born in July. Oh. So it goes Taker, Shawn, Kane, Hunter. 53 and 49. Wow. Okay. 49 is the youngest. Triple H is almost 50. Wow. Yep. So there you go. Those are your ages uh, coming up. Man, Hunter really is actually in fantastic shape. Like in those singles matches. I mean, I'm expecting him to. Dude, Sean's in pretty. Uh, true. Like he looks pretty ripped these days. True. True. Very true. So that was raw. Um, I'm going to put an asterisk next to my enjoyment of this show. I am exhausted today for. A lengthy amount of reasons. So I went into the show exhausted, and I found this to be a very you, long three-hour edition of Raw. You don't have to preface it like that. This I don't think it was that great of a show, really. I mean, okay. Well, I, I don't want to uh, let my own personal exhaustion affect if, if people thought this was the greatest show ever. But I will say this: uh, five years from now, I will remember this segment with Elias and Kevin Owens, and I thought that part was great. Yeah. I thought uh, I thought Ruby Riot did a Pretty adequate job with Ronda. Ro- mm-hmm. Reigns and Ziggler was a fun match. Rollins and McIntyre was a good match. And I thought the final segment, you you built up the singles match about as well as you're going to with these four. So, you know, this was by no means a, a terrible Raw, but the segments that I not just mentioned there, I really felt them tonight. I mean, I guess but, it really depends on your definition of what a good Raw entails, you know? Uh, like Where I'm not looking at my, my watch and thinking god there's two hours and 15 minutes left i guess i I just feel the bar is i think should be really high for what what entails a good edition of raw and i don't think it should be curved in the end of this you know did i feel like three hours was well spent i can't say all three hours were certain parts of that three hours were uh, how much of that yeah like you said the elias segment was great i really enjoyed the sean segment the dean stuff was i think fine but certainly by the end of it not really you know anything special um and that's kind of it. Like, even the Ruby Riot Ronda match, it was a good match. If you really love Ronda Rousey, you'll probably really enjoy it. But if it's you're just looking for a wrestling match, it was just a wrestling match. I have breaking news. We have a King of Pro Wrestling card. Okay, great. So, main event, Kenny Omega, Cody, and Kota Ibushi for the IWGP title. Second from the top, with the briefcase at stake, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Jay White. Kushida versus Marty Skrull for the vacant... IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Evil versus Zack Sabre Jr. I think that's going to be really good. Yeah. 10-man tag. We have Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, Bushi, and Mystery Man X versus Kazuchika Okada, Toru Yano, and Rapongi 3K. Who could that be? It's a great question. I wonder if they're going to introduce someone in LIJ. Hmm. Interesting. You're going to have people thinking that's going to be Hiromu coming back. No, no, can't. obviously it's not. Yeah, but that's that's going to be in people's... You're kind of introducing that that guesswork from people, even though it looks like he is nowhere near ready to come back. Maybe it's going to be a new LIJ member. Possible. Maybe it's going to be a... Maybe it's going to be a mystery man. It's got to be a, Tai Chi. 
Maybe it's Pentagon in disguise and it's Chris Jericho. Could be. Six-man tag, Will Ospreay, Hiroki Goto, and Tomohiro Ishii against Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Takeshi Azuka. And then an eight-man tag with the Young Bucks, Hangman Page, and Chase Owens against Taiji Ishimori, the Gorillas of Destiny, and Bad Luck Fale. Togi Makabe and Tomoki Honma against Juice Robinson and Toa Hanare. And the opener is for the junior heavyweight tag titles, Desperado and Kanemaru defending against Jushin Thunder Liger and Tiger Mask. I think the top end looks really great. Top four matches look very good. Yeah. I mean, the bottom, I think the undercard is always just going to be a mismatch of, you know, under uh, multi-man matches just to fill it out. I think those will probably be very very entertaining too. But uh, storyline-wise, I I think the top four look tremendous. Do you expect a Chris Jericho appearance or at minimum a promo or no Jericho? Oh, good chance you could see get a promo. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to make a flight for it, but you never know. The guy will will turn up, I think, when it's least expected. So uh, it almost seems I, like I, th- I think he's got to be on this show in some form or fashion. There's still chance for him to to show up. I mean, is this too early if he's going to appear? Well, where, where do you think he he will wrestle? Evil November at Power Struggle. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think it would make sense. Evil gets his win ba- back over Zack Saber Jr. and then the challenge is made. I don't even know if you have to have Jericho there live. I mean, you just did the all-in thing. Maybe maybe just it's just a promo. That's all you yeah. need for this. Yeah. And, you know, he's coming back. He's defending the title. That's enough. And then he does the, the November match. I can see that very likely for this weekend. So there you go. That is the King of Pro Wrestling card next Monday. That is taking place. Happy Thanksgiving if you were in Canada. Let's go to the feedback. Tonight, scale of 0 to 10. This show get a passway? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go five on the dot. No, Way was correct. A 6.18. Oh, my God. That's well, pretty high for Ross all standards. Right. Okay. Let us see what everyone had to say. Let's go to Brandon from Oshawa. A little confession. I used to watch Raw on Tuesdays with my dad and brother until post-wrestling started, and I began watching the show on Monday as well so I could drop feedback. But I'll be heading back to work next week, and this may be my final Raw feedback for a while. Brandon from Oshawa. A staple of the feedback. He says Owens and Elias are brilliant together. I'm not surprised. Owens seems to have chemistry with everyone they put him with. And that may have been an all-time great crowd reaction. I'm glad they showed the crowd eventually because I almost started thinking it was being piped in. Who would have thought something as simple as hating on a failed sports team would get that kind of nuclear heat? I'd like to see them go after the tag titles. Who asked for the Ascension versus Rude and Gable combination four weeks in a row? Are they planning on giving Connor a singles run? This is all I get from this storyline this week. Oh, he also... You know what? I'm going to read this tomorrow on the show. He's got a Johnny Impact on Survivor update. We got a Chris from Melbourne, Australia. So maybe it's just the fact I'll be at Super Showdown in four days' time, but I really enjoyed Raw tonight. Clear standout was Elias and KO. I could imagine these guys taking a cheap shot at Collingwood, losing the AFL Grand Final last week on the MCG. I've seen Dave Meltzer say on Twitter that the WWE are using 70,000 as a number, which means they are hoping for 60,000. Given the weather forecast is rain in 18 degrees Celsius, I think they'll be lucky to get 60,000. Just two quick questions. Number one, is Liv Morgan cleared to wrestle on Saturday after being knocked out cold last week? My impression is she'll be doing the match on Saturday because if she wasn't, they would have done something tonight. There's still also a way to protect her, even in a six-man, you know, if if you just want to have her come do the walkout and, you know, very minimal. 
Um, number two, he asked, was there any reason why John Cena has been absent from TV for the build to Super Showdown? Well, he's been in China testing different foods, trying he's, different Chinese things. He's doing a movie with Jackie Chan, right? He's, uh, he's part there. of their stunt team, and I'm sure, yeah, he's probably working on a movie or something like that. Yeah, to be honest, like, it's a nothing tag match. I don't think he need, his presence on TV was required to build up this tag match. It's a middle-of-the-card tag match. I, I don't... I, I think it's almost, like, that's a reward you get for tuning in is, uh, like, you get to see Cena on the show. Yeah. Rather than on TV. I mean, what would he... What would those two have really added, like, building up this tag match? It's like it's barely been mentioned to begin with. I want to see the lightning fist. Maybe we're going to get to see it uh, in Australia. Jalen from Pickering, 206, the combined age of the four men in the closing segment. Watching a mare and a half-retired Undertaker chokeslam a bald DX bum me out. I'm tired of these guys 15 years past their prime being used so often. I hope by the end of WrestleMania 35, all four of them actually are retired, so Vince actually has to use his current roster to sell stadium shows. Once again, Kevin Owens has managed to find great chemistry with someone else. He may not always be where he or his fans want him, but at least he will always have a role with his versatility. I think Ambrose cut the best promo of his main roster career. Makes me look forward to the heel turn even more. I, I'm i like you, Wade. I have no problem with them using the the legends for to build up yeah. this show. It's like they're, they're in their own like division. It's They're not mixed in with anything else. And it's the, it's the most promoted match on the show. You take that match out of this card on Australia. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a whole lot. They have a lot of shows to put together and they probably don't want to run through all their major main events so quickly. Um, you know, sometimes it feels like, like those extra markets, whether it be Saudi Arabia or, uh, I guess in this case, Australia, um, it almost feels like they want kind of these other shows to help. Like they, yeah, they, they basically don't want to put Roman Reigns versus, you know, uh, Braun Strowman on, on a show like that. And I do wonder, like, would that stand a better chance of selling that building out versus Undertaker versus Triple H? Um, I guess it all depends on the promotion because, you know, but they did do a very good job. I'll have to say, you know, with this Triple H, um, Undertaker build from the beginning. Yeah. And I think the intrigue of the idea of teasing Sean coming back, I think that's going to be a big hook for people that they're interested to see what is the next step coming out of this super showdown event, because Sean coming back is going to be a big deal for people. Certainly, yeah. We got a Zeke from Toronto who says it's painfully obvious the words right now are double underlined in everyone's promo. It also is painfully obvious that Seattle is a good crowd. It makes me think if towns without all four major sports should be visited more often. St. Louis is another good one, and I can't wait for Milwaukee. Okay, let's go to Andrew from Cape Breton. Remember during the Attitude Era when they built up this epic showdown between Bob Backlund and superstar Billy Graham? I guess that's one issue today with the lack of star power nowadays, but they did have a decent buildup for the Super Showdown main event. Highlight of the night was Ronda Rousey versus Ruby Riot. It's crazy to think that Ronda started training last year with Brian Kendrick. They seemed to reel in the crowd like Ruby was trying to reel in Ronda with that fish hook. I would love to see more of these two and wish that was the Evolution main event. Lastly, if last year was any indication of WWE's desire to take a low-card talent and give him a push, then Connor might be on his way to the WWE Championship. Six salty Seattle Supersonics fans out of ten. Wow. Um, if he was Indian, yeah. Connor the Great. Uh, yes. yes. He could be our, your champion by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. 
Kyle, my feedback tonight is a bit unusual, but during Raw tonight, they kept advertising this new sauce labeled... Censored. Censored. During the ad, they kept talking about the sauce while bleeping what I'm assuming is the F word, and the tagline was, you can't censor this flavor. My question is, how does one order this in the drive-thru? This has to be the strangest advertisement I've seen in a long time. I have no idea what he's referring to, unfortunately. No, it's a great question. Like, this is the brand name of the sauce. So how are you to identify it? I think you just have to cuss at the person in the intercom. Excuse me? Uh, Last one here. Fun crowd segment with Elias and KO. Liv Morgan looked great. Old guys at the end looked all right for their age, I guess. But I bet they will be sore tomorrow. Liv Morgan looked great. I guess, like... She's not bedridden, is what he means. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay. So that is his assessment. All right. That's going to wrap it up, folks. I've been up for a long time, and we are going to bid everyone adieu. But we will be back on Tuesday. As I mentioned, I'll have a chat up during the day with uh, Mark Romandi of MMAfighting.com. And then Tuesday night, Way and I are back. Not just Rewind to SmackDown, but for all of our cafe members, we've got the double shot coming up. So I will be well-rested for Tuesday night for our plethora of reviews that are coming up on Tuesday night. Are you excited, Way? I am, yeah. These are kind of long sessions, but I, I, I definitely do enjoy them uh, because we get to talk a lot about uh, everything else that's going on other than what you see on Mondays and Tuesdays. So um, but quick reminder, get your uh, selfies in or photos in of how you listen to these podcasts and tag us at Post Wrestling Official on Instagram. We are only accepting uh, uh, entries to the uh, at post wrestling official instagram account yes so send those to us we'll announce a winner next week on the show last thing we should decide way is uh for those that are double double and above members uh what time should we be doing the super showdown what time are you planning to watch this event on saturday well, it does, doesn't matter to me you're the one with the kids so i'll work around you the show starts at five it's apparently scheduled for four hours so it could be done by 9 a.m. Do you want to say, uh, let's do noon. Is noon yep. a workable time for you? Yep, 12 o'clock I, Eastern. I, I don't want to do the show so early that we're assuming everyone's watching this thing at 5 a.m. because I don't think everyone will. I want to give people time to wake up and watch most of this before they tune in to listen to us. So uh, this show on Saturday will be a Patreon show. So uh you can sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com. And if you are a double double or above member, you can tune in for the live video stream of our review. So that is all coming up on Saturday. That is it. We'll speak with you on Tuesday night at Post Wrestling Official on Instagram. Well, clearly you've really upset them here, but uh, sports aren't exactly my thing. So, oh, you know what else isn't my thing? Kev, you're going to have to speak up. These people are being very disrespectful.